Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Good morning. Thanks for joining us in prayer over that. I think I'm, I just feel really encouraged that we can just ask, okay, God, like, come in your power, open doors and our eyes, and we can just ask for that. And he's so faithful to answer. And so I'm, I am, I have a lot of thankfulness in my heart and I'm kind of speechless at the same time, just that people pour out and serve and say yes to Jesus is always a very humbling thing for me to journey with people in that way. So, well, welcome. I'm glad you are here. You know, you made the decision to come to church this morning and you already made your first wise choice of today because that's what we're talking about today is wise decisions. So you can all just pat yourself on the back. You made it out of bed. You got here despite the boil order and the extra water that we had to go pick up. Thank you, Rob. Um, we all made it here safely and despite the, the struggles, right? You know, um, we make about 35,000 decisions a day as a person. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I can't even comprehend that I make that many decisions, right? A lot of them are automatic or easy. You know, you don't even like really think twice about it, right? They're subconscious decisions, you know. Um, you might have... Uh, like a you might just have a same routine you follow every morning, you know, so you kind of automate those decisions. Or maybe, you know, you start the day with a decision like, do I snooze my alarm this morning or do I get up, you know? Okay, just one more snooze. That was me this morning. Just one more snooze. Um, and so then you get up out of bed and you maybe make it to the kitchen and now you have to decide like what, what coffee mug do you want to honor out of your cabinet this morning for your coffee? You know, maybe you've automated that one too and you're just like a everyday same coffee mug. But I have a variety of coffee mugs from a variety of seasons in my life, right? And so I might choose which one I want and, you know, and then you might make other decisions like, this morning I was kind of tired of what I have for breakfast in the cabinet. You know, what, what do I want for breakfast, right? You know, so then the decisions, they just keep, they just keep coming all day long. Now, some are going to be easy and, and inconsequential, and some are going to be more challenging, right? And they're going to affect other people, and they're going to make us pause a bit, right? And maybe we try to avoid those challenging decisions all together because they're stressful and they take a lot of energy to pour over difficult decisions. And depending on what kind of decision maker you are, that's going to affect your relationship with decision making. Maybe you're like a impulsive, you know, like I just go from my gut, make this decision so that I can just move on in life and not have to think any more about it. Or maybe you kind of are uh, a, a muller over, right? You like to research and uh, like what's all, what's, what's everybody's opinion on this and what do the experts say and let me think, think about it and think about every angle. Maybe you like to verbalize, you know, process out loud. You're going to make a decision after you talk to somebody and kind of get your thoughts out there. Or maybe like, like me, you've thought about it in your head for so long and by the time you say it, out loud, someone's like, you were thinking about that? I'm like, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a really long time. 
And so we all have a different approach to decisions, but ultimately we have a motive to make good decisions, right? We wanna make good decisions. Why do we wanna make good decisions? Well, I would say, you know, the world's story is, you know, make good decisions so that you can be successful, right? Make good decisions so that you can be happy, so that you can have meaning and purpose in life and you can, you know, have something to show for, you know? There's a motivation there of, of um, proving yourself. But I think that Jesus' story tells us something different. Jesus tells us to make wise decisions because we belong to our Father, right? We're, we're children of God. We're holy and dearly loved. And we want to make wise decisions because we want to flourish in our relationship with God. We want to be congruent in this, in this faith that we have, the way that he's designed the world and, and said, this is the path you should walk in. We want to make wise decisions to love and honor God. And this is kind of the pattern that Jesus showed us. He's, he said, you know, I came to give you life and life abundantly, this flourishing life. But it's not the life of culture that, that says, you know, you can have your best life now and you can achieve and succeed and do all these things. The life that Jesus says is, hey, I've brought heaven on earth. I've brought the taste of the kingdom here now. You can live in rhythm with me now. The kingdom stretches into our lives and, and um, everything that we're held captive by, he can set free and bring life to. And so we don't have to live by this uh, earthly, being bound to the earthly story of success-driven and proving ourselves with good decisions. We can actually live with deep contentment and joy in the kingdom. And, you know, Jesus, he shows us this kind of life. He says, um, pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he, he shows us, okay, this is a pattern of like daily prayer, seeking the wisdom of heaven here on earth, seeking the will of the Father here on earth. Because when Jesus was living out his life, right, he looked to his father to do ministry. He looked to his father to live his life, to make decisions. You know, he says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. You know, Jesus didn't come to just build like himself up, you know, prop himself up. He came and, and humbled himself as a servant and said, I'm going to only look to where I see the activity of my father and then I'm going to act. And I, like in my human imagination, I think like, gosh, did he really do that? You know, because he's Jesus. I mean, sure, sometimes he asked God what to do, but sometimes didn't he just do his Jesus thing and just kind of, you know, go out on, a, on his own and do his thing. But he says, no, I always looked to my father. I was always in touch to what my father was doing. 
and I obeyed and did what he told me. And I think like that's challenging, right? It's challenging to think how, um, how humble Jesus, Jesus actually lived. You know, when I think about life in the world right now, it is, it's all about building my own kingdom with my own will. But the kingdom of God is wherever God's will is expressed. Wherever God's will is expressed, the kingdom of God is happening there. So we can build our own kingdom with our own will, or we can live in God's kingdom where his will is at reigning. And as Jesus followers, we're invited in to living in the will of the Father. The world says, build your own kingdom, so big and flashy and grand that everybody takes notice and says, oh, they must be doing it right. But Jesus says, no, serve me and my kingdom, serve God and come under his will. That's the path of wisdom. That's the path of life. And so we see in Proverbs, Proverbs contrasts these two paths, the foolish path and the wise path for decision-making. See if you can hear it here in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There's two paths. There's the foolish path path and the wise path that Proverbs talks about. And, And foolish decisions are made by depending solely on yourself, depending on your understanding of everything, your desires, your knowledge, But the wise path is is seeking God in everything we do, trusting him above our own understanding of things. And, you know, the foolish path, it it starts with kind of just saying, you know, well, I envision the future this way, and I trust that I know best. And, you know, that, that sounds like a lot of people in the Bible in times past where they like trusted themselves and that just ended up in trouble. They just ended up in trouble because they trusted their own desires over what God was showing them. And scripture tells us, you know, you can't control the future. You can't know the future. And to navigate this kind of uncertain life where we don't know what's going to happen, We have to live day by day. And that's the prayer that Jesus showed us. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And let's just focus on that today. Proverbs says, don't boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. You might remember um, last week, if you were here listening to Dan's sermon, he said, um, I, he, he talked about the brother of Jesus, James, was affectionately called Old Camel Knees, okay? And I thought that's a strange nickname, right? 
But it's because he um, apparently was known for praying. He prayed so much on his knees that he kind of got calloused, old, wrinkly, you know, camel knees. So he's called old camel knees. Um, and that's kind of stuck with me. So James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote a book in the Bible. And this is what he talks about the foolish path. This is how you start going down the foolish path in decision-making. He says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Like at first glance, after reading this, you might think, well, you know, I don't think like making plans is bad, you know? Like we're supposed to make plans about our life. Like that's not bad. You know, if, you're, if somebody in your social circle would say, hey, you know, I think I'm going to go back to school. I might move to this city for the next couple years so I can go back to school and pursue this degree. You would probably, like, congratulate them. You would say, oh, well, great job. I'm so for you. I, I applaud your effort to, to want to, you know, um, build your future and pursue your dreams, like that's great. I hope that goes really well for you. There's nothing uh, boastful about that in our minds. There's nothing arrogant about that in our minds. But what James is getting at, what old Camelnese is getting at here is, is not that making plans and um, pursuing our dreams or passions is bad. It's the arrogance that's bad. It's the arrogance in it that's bad. He's calling out the arrogance as sin. And I think that the arrogance is a hard thing for us to kind of pick up on our radar because it's so ingrained in us and our society. We're a, we're a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, very arrogant kind of society. I think that as a whole, you know, we believe our opinions are facts. We can go promote ourselves on any s platform we want to. We can build up our own importance. We can decide truth for ourselves. We don't really have to submit to anything or honor something um, before we make plans or decisions. Like what's most important in today's society is just that you have your own back, basically in your values, right? Like you are, you can do anything you want to as long as you have your own back. And it's a very self-centered, my desire above anything else way of living. It's a very arrogant way of living. And I, I think that that mentality, we pick up on it without even trying to, right? Like that sounds familiar that kind of just trust in yourself theme. And so James is, is saying, you know, it's not bad to make plans and decisions, but in all things, 
you have to hold those decisions and surrender to God. In all things, we have to fear the Lord, to have this awe and reverence in who he is, how he's designed us, how he, how he wills his kingdom to be. And we have to just live in that pattern. Because you know what? Your life is like the fog outside. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. We really don't know what the future holds, much less control it. So we have to walk in this humble posture with God. Otherwise that arrogance creeps in that says, you know what? I know what's best. I know how to live my life and my desires matter more than what God desires. You know, this um, past, was it this past week? It was my daughter's birthday and we ended up going to Steak and Shake. She loves burgers. So does my husband. So he convinced her that we should go to Steak and Shake for burgers. And we haven't been there in a very, very long time. Um, but as you know, something happened in the world two years ago that kind of upended life and changed things and, you know, something that was outside of our control, COVID, right? And so we all kind of had to adapt to the way things we did, the way we did business and life and everything else. So we go to Steak and Shake and we walk in and, it, you know, it's been a while. And you know, when you walk in and you see like that sign that says like, please seat yourself or something, there's something written on there and we kind of looking around and we weren't sure, like, you know, there's, there's not really anybody here. Maybe we'll just go sit, our, sit down. We weren't sure exactly how to navigate the restaurant, right? Have you ever kind of been in that awkward situation? And we're sitting there and we're kind of like, uh, I, I don't think we're doing the right thing. And so then we notice in the corner that there's these kiosks, right? And we're like, oh, like you go order from the kiosk now. There's no staff. And then they just call out your order, like if you've ever been to Portillo's or you know Panera, and you go pick up your order, right? So very different than the original kind of steak and shake where they have servers and they come get your order. You know, it's kind of uh, in between there. So I don't know. Does anybody like ordering on, on kiosks? <laughs> A few people. Okay. It was like in the worst possible position. The sun is coming right in on us. You know, I'm like this. Where? What is it? You know, you, feel, you look real old, right? And you're trying to navigate this system and order something and figure out, you know, how, you know, how to get your order in and did you order the right things and did, you know, whatever. Anyways, um, they adapted, right? We might not like the kiosks, but you know what? They're still in business, right? Because they have the staff to cook and that's all they need. You can order on the kiosk, you get your food, you go sit down. There is a staff staffing shortage like all over restaurants, right? And they adapted. Now, not everyone likes it. We even saw this couple walk in, notice, <laughs> walk straight out, right? because they knew like, no, I don't want to go through that hassle. Um, but they did what they had to do to stay in business. And it kind of just made me think like there's this, there's the, the wise and the foolish. And James is saying, 
You can make your plans, but don't do it with arrogance to the point where you trust in your own desires above God's because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. And God may call you to something, speak something to you. The whole world may shift. Your life may shift. Something may happen. And if you hold so closely to your kingdom, it's going to crumble. And in fact, it's not living in the story of Jesus. Arrogance is simply wanting something more than wanting what God wants. And I have to admit that I feel that, right? I feel that. How often I want something more than what God wants. I feel that pull in myself. You know, we can be Christians, we can believe in Jesus, but not fully live in Jesus's story that he offers us. We can believe in Jesus and still just follow the philosophies of the world, right? We can believe in Jesus and build our own kingdom. And I think that is why we come to church to remind ourselves, hey, we are Jesus people and we're trying to live in the Jesus story and we're trying to live in the kingdom of God. And it, it's hard sometimes, but we're gonna remind ourselves, each other of our identity and we're gonna remind ourselves of, of how we do this thing together, of seeking God's will and submitting to him and saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here in my life, in this church, in our marriage, in our families, in our relationships. Our identity is God's chosen people. Our inheritance is the kingdom of God and we have the privilege of living that out. We have to remind ourselves to live in that story. Dallas Willard, he's a, a Christian author, and he says this. He says, a biblical Christian is not just one who holds certain beliefs about the Bible. Rather, he or she is one who leads the kind of life shown forth in the Bible, a life of personal, intelligent interaction with God. And I think that, that's the pattern of wisdom. That's the pattern of the pathway of life. That we live in this intentional interaction with God. Did you guys ever um, have a WWJD bracelet? One of those, what would Jesus do bracelets? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you were cool if you had them uh, stacked up in various colors, right? I remember having a few and uh, my, I remember one, mine was maroon with white and I had, you know, different ones, but you were kind of like, that was kind of like a, you know, like a, a, I'm a Christian, right? You know, I was kind of proud to wear that, um, during that season. Um, but it's kind of a difficult question, you know, what would Jesus do in every situation? You know, would he buy this hot top? tub or not, you know, would he buy this car or buy that car, right? It's kind of a funny question, right? Would he talk to this person or talk to that person, right? We don't know exactly what Jesus would choose in every single situation, but what the concept calls out is that God is present in the details 
of our life. And in all things, we can seek him. God is always present and at work. God is always present and at work. And we can seek his kingdom in all things. And you know, sometimes like a good parent, he empowers us to choose, right? It's not like supernatural downloads every single decision between this coffee cup and that cup, cup, coffee cup. But he's present in all things and we can seek him. Foolish decisions come by trusting ourselves and our own judgment above God's. Wise decisions come by this intentional listening, tuning in, submitting ourselves, seeking the kingdom in all things. Proverbs says we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. So commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. God, seek my heart, seek my motives in this situation. Purify them, God. Show me the path to choose. So I want to uh, just leave you with three filters this week that you can um, use. I mean, this is like just Jesus stuff, but I think we forget, you know, because we are arrogant and we're just like, I believe in myself and my own way of thinking. So practice this. Look to Scripture. Scripture is our story, right? It reminds us of, okay, Jesus, what do you value? Who are we? How did you obey? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 7 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So soak in scripture. When you, you know, I don't know, 35,000 times seven, that's a number that I can't really do in my head, but that's how many decisions you have. You can pick one of those thousands and thousands of decisions this week and think, oh yeah, this one's kind of important. I'm going to pause on this decision and just sit in scripture. Look to its guidance. And second, talk to somebody else. Proverbs says plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Do you have a variety of people, like godly people in your life that you can go to and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about this. Or I have, you know, you can get some feedback on your decisions. You know, that's why we celebrated our board today because we get to have a, a council of people that we look to for wise decisions in the church, right? Dan and I may have ideas, but they need to be stewarded, right? There are areas that we're just not knowledgeable in, right? We need help. And then we need a group that's tuned in to the Holy Spirit together, collectively. Because churches, I'm sure you all know of churches that have gone awry because uh, the all-wise, knowing pastor, leader was insulated, right? By just yes people. 
and they didn't have anybody that could um, speak against them, right? Or uh, challenge them or speak out in wisdom. That's not the church that we want. I mean, that kind of stuff just ugh, scares me, right? The, the abuse and harm that church leaders have caused at times because of their arrogance. We want to submit to the church body with one another. Hey, we're all submitted to one another and we're all submitted to Christ. And wisdom is this collective counsel. So tune in, listen to others. Tune into the spirit. That's the third one. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We believe God is present and working in us every day. And we can tune in to the Holy Spirit. And it's a challenge, really, I think, to just rid ourselves of the distractions to do that. Because there's, we hear the Holy Spirit through our senses, right? Through our mind, through uh, our sight, our smells. We, we have to tune in to the Spirit in a, in a real embodied way. We can't just be distracted all day long and hope to hear the Holy Spirit. We have to make the time and the space, the meditation in our own mind and body to hear Holy Spirit, okay, I'm tuning in. I want to pay attention to what you are saying for my life. How do you want me to use my resources today? So that's my call to action. I'll, I'll invite the worship team up and look to scripture, listen to somebody else, talk to somebody else and tune into the Holy Spirit. It seems simple, like this is just what we do. This is the story that we live in. This is Jesus living. But do it for a decision. Because sometimes I'll just, boom, I'm just going forward on Liz speed, right? But like, okay, let's dial it back and sit with this because God may have something different or more insight to share with me than just the direction I'm going. So let's consider the path that we walk this week and going forward. God, thank you um, for your all wise knowing character. that you are more than we can even comprehend sometimes. And God, I pray that you would just humble us to that place of awe and reverence of you. Sometimes we just, we just need to flatten ourselves down so that we can look at your awesomeness and your holiness and see who you are. God, I pray that you would just give us um, a heart to seek your will, your kingdom above our own desires. Show us when we, when we are going astray, when we're following the foolish path and saying, it's just all about me. Lovingly, just bring us back. Lovingly, just swoop us up and say, I have more for you. Actually, come this way. And so we worship you this morning and we invite you to speak to us.
And we love you, Jesus. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.